With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome, everyone, to the Islanders Never Say Die podcast. I'm your host, TJ. With me again, as always, is our NHL Anderson expert, the grumpy old man. They say there's no shame in his game because he's always the same. That's me. Now, Grump, you let it leak through. You you got a little dancing included in afterwards, grumpy old man. That's why I was laughing when we started things off. What's going on? I like to dance. What can I tell you? <laughs> well, Grumpy, there's been a lot of news coming out. Obviously, training camp started today. There's a lot of Islander issues we're going to cover. We went ahead and came out with a little bit of a prediction of what we expect to happen in the Eastern Division here this season, Grumpy. It's it's going to be a good podcast. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, there's a lot to talk about, though, for certain. Yeah, I just want to come off right up front. My predictions are written in pencil. Uh, or, you know, dry erase board, whatever you want to say. Uh, I don't think it's cut and dry. That's all I'm going to say. And that's one thing I also think is important to preface, too, before we kind of get in. Because we made sure to post it there on Twitter. Um, and I'm sure we'll do so also on Facebook. But the Eastern Division, grumpy old man, I think there's a few teams where I can kind of accurately predict, you know, this team's going to be towards the top end. This team will be towards the bottom end. But I think really it's a crapshoot when you're looking at anybody who can finish anywhere from three to seven. Yeah, I it think really, I really think there's a lot of variables this year, and anything could throw anything out of whack. Yeah, I agree. I think there's only two guaranteed playoff teams uh, that uh, that's going to be watched. Well, I, I'm not. Even, I'm not going to say who it is. I'm just going to say there are two. I consider two guaranteed playoff teams. Everything else is a crapshoot. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> grumpy old man uh, and we're going to talk a little bit more about it today also getting into uh josh hosang again not being invited to camp uh we'll talk more about that grumpy old man uh the capital signings at anochara there's been a lot of moving and shaking grumpy old man but before we jump right into hockey action grumpy i want to bring in Paige so she can stump the grump and as everybody who does listen to the podcast or if you participate in the live stream, you know, this is when Paige comes on. She gets to go ahead and introduce myself and the grumpy old man to a word that has changed definitions or meaning amongst younger generations, grumpy old man. You've been doing pretty well at guessing the Stump the Grump segment, grumpy. So I expect another correct answer from you today, grumpy. So do I. <laughs> hey there, guys. Hopefully this one is just as hard as last week as well on y'all. Okay. Well, what do you have for us, Paige? So my word is lab. It's only the lab or lab. I think I know this. I know this one, grumpy old man. Oh, I feel okay. confident in this one, grumpy old take, man. Go ahead, take a shot at it. 
I feel the lab is when you go to like a mix studio or some sort of uh, music entity and like you're mixing up the beats. So you got to go to the lab and mix the beats up. Is that mm. correct, Paige? I would say not in that definition, no. But I feel like the location could be considered a lab. Uh, can you put this in a sentence and uh, give us its origin, please? Um, I don't know its origin. Um, I can spell that word, L-A-B. Yeah. Thomas likes to go get a nice workout at the lab every day. The gym? It, it could be. Or you could say, I go um, maybe it's somewhere study in the lab every day. Maybe it's somewhere where you go to improve yourself. That's exactly what it is. It's somewhere you go to improve yourself. Thank you very much. The gym, the library, as you put Thomas it, or TJ, it could be just going and getting better at doing mixtapes. So there's a lot of variety in what the lab is. I think, you know, I know why the young younger generation uses the word lab to take the place of all these other things, which is what they really are, because they are too stupid to know all these other things. So let's just try to, let's just have a nine word dictionary or vocabulary. Let's just do that. That's what I think it's all about. Well, Grumpy, I need to get a gif of you throwing your hands up in that gun formation right there. I need to get that on replay and we can use that at some point in time throughout the podcast. I've, I've got to go ahead and get somebody who's a little more tech savvy than I am to find a way where we can capture that grumpy old man. Cause I like that little, uh, Guns a blazing you did right there, my friend. And then put them right back in the holster. Do a little, and then, you know, you roll them on your fingers. Ready for next week, I guess. Clint Eastwood has nothing on me. He's <laughs> oh back 90 years old, you know. I was about to say, well, thank you, Paige. Definitely stumped me at first, but thank you for the Stump the Grump segment of today. I, I would like you to get rid of Paige now. Just get rid of her. Oh, okay. Goodbye, Paige. <laughs> A grumpy old man. Um, <laughs> well, there is a good bit to talk about. I think kind of started off grumpy. Obviously, Josh Hoseng was not invited to training camp this year. And it does leave some fans scratching their heads thinking, why, oh, why did you re-sign him back if you weren't going to even invite him to camp? What is it? Camp, conclu camp includes 36 or 37 players. And you didn't even include him in this little trial time period to see if he could make the roster. It, it's it, why sign. I mean, here's the thing: every every fan should be scratching their head. Every single fan should be scratching their head. Why did you sign him back instead of just letting him go? Why did you tender him? Are you just trying? And I, I just I don't understand. I've never understood the way they've treated this kid ever. I don't get it. Uh, you know, what does he bring to the table? Offensive creativity. What does this team desperately, desperately, desperately need? Offensive creativity, right? They don't even give the kid a shot. I mean, I thought he teamed up, you know, however many years ago, he teamed up really well with Brock Nelson. I mean, they had a nice team. I thought that that duo really worked well together. And to not even give him, not even invite him to training camp, I don't, I don't get it. I don't get it at all. Why'd you even bother signing him? Um, here's the thing. Is Leo Komarov invited to training camp? You know, is Andrew Ladd invited to training camp? Uh, you know, because as far as I'm concerned, they're absolutely finished. They're totally cashed in, and you don't give a younger player a shot. But you're gonna, you're gonna have old Komarov 
and Uncle Leo and, you know, the gimp out there uh, lumbering around on the ice. I don't I don't understand it. I don't understand. Well, Tommy, Tommy chimes in also saying, because that's Lou in a nutshell. I will tell you this much, Grumpy. And, and Tommy, and I'm sure a lot of people aren't necessarily shocked by it. Um, I didn't really think Josh would have. Oh, by the way, I like your shirt there, Grumpy Old Man. Thank is you it very the much. original? <laughs> is it the original Homeland Security? Homeland Security, fighting terrorism since 1492. Oh, goodness, Grumpy Old Man. I'm not, I'm not political, but let's be honest, the Indians have been screwed in this country. Uh, and that's about as political as I'm going to get. Hey, <laughs> well, Grumpy Old Man. Right? Uh, it was their country, right? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, Grumpy Old Man. Well, uh, we, I do want to talk I just, about I just saw the shirt. I just saw the shirt and I loved it, so I had to get it. <laughs> anyway, Grumpy. Um, I do want to go ahead and talk about Josh Ozang, though, right? Because. <laughs> It's always baffled me. I've never, again, it's take it or leave it at this point. It's been a long saga. And I guess the point of view I'm at right now is this kind of closes the book on the Josh Hosang, on the Josh Hosang story with the New York Islanders, right? You know, it just kind of kept stringing along bit by bit. But I think there's no way he'll ever be a performer up on oh, up for the New York Islanders anytime in his career, at least grumpy old man. Right. Because again, I'm not saying that you need an invite to training camp in order to make an impact for your particular team in the same token though. I mean, not to be even included to training camp or invited to training camp tells you all you need to know. I mean, this is not the first bit that has showed me that his time with the Islanders in front of the sun is over. I mean, even take the clock back to last season, grumpy old man. The Bridgeport Sound Tigers loaned him out to another organization because that's how little they thought of Josh Hosang. And again, I, 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 it's always baffled me wh- why they signed him back when they loaned him out last season and all the craziness that's going on and not even invited there to training camp this year. It's always kind of baffled me, Grumpy. The frustration on my part, uh, it's been for years, honestly. It went back to the first year Lamarill and Trotz were here. He performed well in, uh, you know, in uh, the preseason. And they said, you know, we've heard he had things to work on. Uh, We haven't seen it, but we're going to send him down to have him work on those things. What are you even talking about? If you didn't see any of those things, why would you send him down? And it's like they they were never going to give him a shot. Why did you resign him? makes no sense. I realize you couldn't get anything for him, but just don't re-sign him. I mean, why would you re-sign somebody? I mean, give him a shot somewhere else. The only thing I could think, grumpy old man, is that they just possibly didn't want to lose a piece. As inconsequential of a piece as it may be, that's literally the only thing I could think of. We talked about it, right? Wasn't claimed off of waivers when he was when he was sent down to Bridgeport. I think it was last season. Um He's had a slew of issues, but I think this definitely does go ahead and close the book there on Josh Hosang. Um, and again, that's I feel like the Josh Hosang story and the Josh Hosang saga, you're always going to get people on each side. I don't see too many people that are in the middle. Either you're pro Josh Hosang or you're against him. You thought he never received a chance or you thought he couldn't get his head on straight and he didn't deserve a chance. You don't but really see do too you, many in the middle of that, Grumpy. Yeah, but how do you know he hasn't got his head on straight? No, you, I haven't seen anything – Anything written anywhere about Josh Hosang that says he's been a problem with has a problem with teammates, he has a problem with coaching. I've never seen an article like that. Not one. Not I, one. Besides that he overslept. 
his first rookie year. That's it. How many years ago? Seven years ago? I mean, you know, hey, I overslept two weeks ago. I, I will tell you this much, Grumpy Old Man, talking about from the a professionals, a professional franchise, right? Even if you were having issues like that, your last, last, last option should be to go out there to the media and say that he's not doing XYZ properly and that's the reason he's not playing, right? I mean, that's it's not looked at as a very professional way to do things. In the same token, though, sometimes you'll get coaches or general managers who will do that because it's the best way to motivate that particular player. Um, so, again, we don't know what goes on behind closed doors, grumpy old man. I, I will say this much. Josh Hosang does have offensive ability and acumen. I'll tell you this, though, grumpy. It's not like it was just with one with one, uh, one viewpoint. He had these issues when Gar Snow was their GM. He had these issues with multiple coaches. And he's having these issues still. What, I, issue? I, I, what issue? What issue? The issue I'm talking about is him not being able to progress his game. And I will tell you, his role has been diminished under the Lula okay. Amarillo. Okay. okay. What is his skill set? It's top two line forward. That's his skill set. Someone who creates offense. You want him to play defense. Like I said, Gretzky couldn't play on this team. Bossy couldn't play on this team. They, would, they never would have had a shot to play on this team. They would have been languishing away on the minors, signing a one-year $700,000 deal and not been invaded to training camp because we're scared to score goals. No one, no one in the, on our echelon of the management team wants us to score goals. They just want us to lay back, pretend like we can play defense, pay, pay average and below average players above market deals. That's the kind of garbage that this crappy regime is uh, perpetuating right now. So have we even signed Matt Barzell back? Why have we not signed him back? Everybody else in the league is signed back except for him. Why not him? Tell me. Trust me. We'll get to that later, Grump. I don't want to jump the gun. We have plenty of pits to talk about here, Grumpy old man. I will say just another absolute failure by the, the by the fossil who, who <laughs> sticks up in that ivory tower of his, living off those Stanley Cup rings he won 25 years ago in New Jersey Devil. I, I will I will tell you this though, Grump. I tend to uh, let's sign let's sign Josh Bailey to another 15 year extension. That's what we should do. He's a good soldier. He can't play. He can't do anything. Let's sign him back. He's just average, a king of the secondary assist, just like the new king of the secondary assist who we drafted two years ago, who's absolutely sucking out loud for Team Sweden. <laughs> Grumpy, <laughs> I got. There's so much to digest and unpacked. I really want to get to the crux of it, though, and I want to break down Josh Hosang. Right? If this were hold on, Grump, you got to stop. If this is at the beginning, Grumpy old man, and this was you know one or two years, I definitely gave Josh Hosang every single benefit of the doubt. I really did. I'm seeing this being dragged out for years and years and years. It leads me to believe that it's not so much an issue with, uh, you know, the heads up of the Islanders organization. It's not an issue with the coaching staff. It's other issues, Grumpy. That's what makes me think there's other issues. I can't point to there being definitively issues or not. But usually when you see somebody who just can never seem to make their way up there, and he has a talent, which he does. He does have the offensive talent. And Lamarillo and Trotz, when they originally came and joined the Islanders, they said that they always envisioned him being a top six type, a top six type forward. Um, and you just see him continually not being able to break through to what he should and shouldn't be doing, Grumpy Old Man. It makes you think maybe there are issues. That's where that's that those are the type of issues I'm talking about. And again, whether those are personal issues, whether those him not necessarily, you know, selling out there on the defensive side of the puck, which I thought he did an okay job of when he was up there under Doug Waite. 
I just think there are issues. I think okay. it does close. This has closed. This has closed the storybook on Josh Hosang now. What does Michael Del Cole bring to the table that Josh Hosang can't? He's uh, well, let's be honest. He is a below average player. Below average. Why not give Josh? And he has zero, zero, zero offensive upside. Zero. Less than zero. All right. And he's a third liner. He's a third line, whatever. He doesn't do any. He's Simon Holmstrom. Nothing. Brings nothing to the table. And you know what? Let's here's the thing. They've never given Josh Hosang a chance. Never. They did when he played with Brock Nelson before this regime came in. And I thought he looked pretty good. Okay. Was he defensively sound? Absolutely not. But what does this team need? You can't cover up for a Josh Hosang? I mean, you can't on the, with the defense with the defense that we have a way set up on this team now. You couldn't cover up from defensive lapses from jo- the occasional defensive lapses from Josh Hosang. I mean, gosh, in the AHL, he's playing on the third line, a fourth line. What does that prove? Well, again, we do have some comments here. One from Scott says, "Happy New Year, guys! Happy New Year, Scott!" Um, consistent guy, a consistent listener there in the live stream of the podcast with Josh Hosang not being invited to camp. Why did they resign him? I, I will say again, I think that's just for a small chip in case they ever needed to trade him. If anybody had any interest, again, I don't really think there's much interest for him in the market for Josh Hosang. But I, you know, I've been wrong before in the past. Do you think Josh Hosang not being invited will motivate him to prove Lou wrong, or he's in Lou's doghouse forever? I will tell you one thing. I think it motivates him a little bit, but he is at the point, and I could tell you one thing, whether it's justified or not. He has been placed in the doghouse, and I think it motivates him a little bit, but hes I think he's frustrated. I think he wants to give up. I mean, like if you're consistently never, in your opinion, never getting a chance, you're going to get dissatisfied and frustrated very quickly. I mean, this has been years and years and years. The only reason we know that he thinks he's not been given a chance is because he'll make sure he touts it out there to the media anytime anybody offers him an interview. Okay, do you want to know why he thinks he hasn't been given a chance? Because he hasn't been given a chance. It's so obvious. I mean, it is so obvious. I mean, is he in the doghouse? He's been in the doghouse since he got here. I've told you for years. This kid is never going to play for this regime. And here's the thing. Why would you resign him? That's the whole thing. Why do you, I mean, you certainly have killed any value that he might have on the trade market. You just killed it. And if you don't even invite him to training camp, what value does he have? Who would take him? Oh, geez. Lamarillo, the great Lou Lamarillo uh, won't let him even uh, – practice with the team you don't have an option to make it right if he won't do it we're not going to touch him well you know what i've seen enough of the michael del coles and the john baileys and the other grinder jags on this team let's give somebody who has some actual skill and give them a shot to play well you talked about this grumpy old man why does michael del cole receive chances when josh hosang does not and i think it's really simple grumpy old man Michael Del Cole is consistently what he is. He's a guy who's in hold on, stop Grum. He's consistently who he is. He's a disciplined player. He doesn't take too many chances. He's pretty solid back there on the defensive side of the puck. And you ask the question, why do they give him multiple chances? That's the exact reason why. You're right. Michael Del Cole is not going to be producing any numbers on the scoreboard anytime soon. He's just not a very highly offensively talented guy. And I, I thought his play last year was not what it was two seasons ago. I'm not a fan of Michael Del Cole, grumpy old man. I can't tell you this much, though. With Derek Broussard not being signed back, 
I can promise you that means Oliver Wallstrom in some capacity will be with the Islanders. I really believe that he's going to fill into that third wing, uh, the third, uh, third line right wing spot. Absolutely not. You'll see opening night. He's going to be, he will not be playing. He's going to have his same Hanenegger grinders, Leo Komarov's, Del Cole's, our youth movement. We're going to make it, you know, that's our youth, right? Michael Del Cole. You're going to see, we're not going to play. Kiefer Bell, did you ever hear anything about him? Oh, you know, hey, he had a positive test. Like, who even cares? Uh, he had a positive test, so let's punish him. Let's let's continue to give Leo Komarov chances or or Michael Del Cole, guys who do absolutely nothing. Let's just continue to give them more opportunities because that's what this team needs going forward. I just like to me, it's just so frustrating. Uh, I, I'm beyond frustrated. We've done nothing in the offseason, absolutely nothing with the exception of dumping a top four defenseman for draft picks because we mismanaged the cap. That's all we've done. So, Grump, you know. Go Colorado. I disagree. I, Go Colorado. Stop. Stop, Grumpy. Made. I, I don't disagree with the majority of what you said. I, I do think that, though, getting rid of Devon Taves has opened up the cap space. I think it's kind of removed us from a little bit of the position we were in. Given that being said, we still need to sign back Matt Barzal. Uh, people are hitting the panic button, I feel like, all over social media. When are we going to sign back Matt Barzal? We start camp. You know, I look at it like this. Uh, optimally, you would like Matt Barzal there be getting as much time they are getting ready for the ramp up of the season as possible and the same token Matt Barzal will be signed back I think it's as simple as that um and you talk about it again as we mentioned earlier uh Tommy also says Lou still hopes he excels in Bridgeport and can be traded for something talking about Hosang I'll be interested to see what line he plays on is he going to be back playing on the third and fourth line while we play 31 32 year old Hammonegger useless you know four a players on the top two lines, which we've done in the past. I, I just don't like – I just don't like – here's the thing. The Islanders have done that kid wrong. In the long run, they've done wrong. If you didn't think he was going to be part of your organization, move him years ago. Yeah, again, I, I would have been interested to see what his value was, you know, talking about four, maybe five years ago. Um, again, Grump, I'll, tell, I'll, tell, I'll put it to you like this. He does need to be playing on higher lines in Bridgeport because there have been times where he's playing on a third line. That's That kid's not a third-line type player. Doesn't have the defensive ability to be a third-line type player either, grumpy old man. Uh, Mark Rosamond says here, it was amazing when Duclair was drafted by the Rangers and Josh by the Islanders. You thought for sure they were going to be – they're going to be so much fun to watch. Amazing that Josh has only played 53 games with seven goals. And Duclair has played for five teams, 353 games, and his 79 goals. I, I will tell you this much. When we drafted Josh Hosang, grumpy old man, I was I was elated. I thought we really got a draft steal. Um, I thought he was a guy who would be able to contribute, would add a little bit of offensive acumen there to our team. But it's unfortunate that his career kind of has been wasted. I, again, who's to say it wouldn't have had the same exact trajectory if he was with another organization? Okay, to me, Josh Hosang – doesn't fit the good old boy type player, period. He's not your typical Canadian hockey league talent. He's, a, you know, a little bit more of a flamboyant me guy, um, you know, where he's concerned about himself. And that, you know what? I don't have a problem with that because the kid's got talent. That was always the thing with him. You know, he won't buy into the team process. Um, and for me, I don't – I've never seen that when he's been with the Islanders. I haven't seen that. 
and you know for the brief time that he's been up. And like I said, if you didn't want him here, move him. He had value two, three, four years ago. He has no value right now, absolutely none. And the Islanders have killed that value, right? You say, oh well, maybe he's doing things behind the scenes, but they're not going to, you know, say anything to the press. Well, they couldn't wait to tell the press when he overslept for training camp. Man, I was the next day. I was the big thing. Oh, he sent down, uh, overslept in training camp. You could have done something else to cover him, but they didn't. I mean, you know, here's the thing: the Islanders have all the power. Night Kid has none. I just would like to see him get a shot because he obviously has offensive power. Well, I will say this now. I could tell you based off of uh, Barry's got a comment here. He said, uh, read the scouting reports, look at his number. You mentioned him the same breath as Bossy and Gretzky. Well, grumpy old man likes to go ahead and do that. He's always said if Mike Bossy and Wayne Gretzky were out there on the ice now, that they wouldn't touch the ice for Barry Trotz because they don't play enough defense. I disagree, grumpy old man, because this season you're going to see, I think, Oliver Wallstrom out there on the ice or even Kiefer Bellows out there on the ice. And their defense is not going to be up to par of what you consider, you know, a third-line guy with he's just a jag where he plays you in a solid, disciplined game, grumpy old man. But you're going to see us, I think, slowly start integrating a little bit more offensive vacuum in there to our team. Okay, I'm going to change that right now. Uh, and I'm going to put myself on mute for a second. Okay, Grump. Well, I, I'll tell you this much, Grumpy Old Man. I, I'll tell you this, Grumpy Old Man. It's You got to put yourself on mute, Grumpy. You scroll over. Thank you there, buddy. Um, I will tell you this much, Grumpy Old Man. When you talk about the Islanders, though, pre-Lou Lamarillo, and I think this is an interesting point here, uh, Tommy Baffy brings up, right? The Islanders were always in a troublesome area, Grumpy Old Man. They were, you know, bottom of the barrel. And with Lou Lamarillo, he definitely did bring legitimacy to the team. And I guess when Grumpy Old Man talks poorly about the fossil, as he likes to use them, I, I don't think there's any doubt at all that Lou Lamarillo, the biggest, the biggest pluses we've had and served from him is, number one, bringing – Isarokin over, I think that will be a huge plus, and also bringing Barry Trotz to the Islanders organization. I think those have been the two biggest pluses that Lou Lamarillo has done for the organization, and he's helped bring legitimacy to the Islanders. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the the best movies done was bring in Barry Trotz. Absolutely. Other than that, he hasn't done anything. He's done absolutely nothing. And I want to clarify something. Right now, I think Gretzky and Bossy could play for the Islanders because they're both over fifty. So I would definitely qualify them. For, uh, <laughs> Tommy, you know, Tommy with a nice joke there, grumpy old man. Saying it's Lou Lamarillo calling you there, grumpy. And also two minutes of pessimists taking a call from Lou Lamarillo. Absolutely. Because they, you know, they, let me tell you something. Everyone knows they speak the truth. It's not like I'm not talking out of school. Lamarillo knows. He listens to this podcast. He absolutely does. I mean, you're going to hear him comment. You're probably going to hear something. Oh, he'll put some snide comment about the grumpy old man you know, something about veterans, you know, he's talking about me. That's what he's doing. I mean, he disgraced. He's a disgrace on hockey right now. He's finished. I was 78 years old. Come on. He is what he is. A grumpy old man. Tommy also says, I would say someone like Peugeot could possibly ignite Hosang and help him grow. Uh, we may never know. However, I, I don't disagree. We will never know. Oh, I'm sorry. We, he won't get I just, I, for me, the frustration comes from, why did you resign him? I, first of all, I was stunned they resigned him. Everyone was, and then to not even bring him to training camp. What? Who's there? Name name some of the offensive talent that we have that's on this, that's coming to training camp this year. Nothing. 
Everything's a repeat of last year. Remember, remember all the people who watched it, listen to this podcast. What did I say four months ago? We're going to do absolutely nothing. And guess what we have done? Absolutely nothing. Because that's how we operate. Well, Grumpy, we did do a few things, right? We went ahead and traded for Corey Snyder, or we got Corey Snyder on our team this offseason, Grumpy old man. What's he, 35 years old? Nothing that he's finished. Let's let's resign and let's resign our fourth liner who you know play 53 games a year. Uh, you know, let's and here's the thing. I like the I like the Andy Green. He paid too much for Andy Green, 37 years old. Uh, but I like the, the him mentoring Noah Dobson. I like that move. Oh, and Grumpy Old Man, were the cap was the cap actually released of how much they signed back Andy Green, Matt Martin, and Corey Snyder for? I wasn't sure. That's why I asked you. I, be- I believe I believe Corey Snyder is going to be for seven hundred thousand. Andy Green. Here's the thing: you look at some of these deals, like the deal that Zdeno Chara just signed. If this, if Andy Green or uh, Matt Martin make more than seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars for next year, that's another failure on Lamarillo's part. Well, I think I think that uh, Zdeno Chara, what is he making? Seven ninety five, seven hundred ninety five thousand, seven fifty. I believe. Okay. Well, Mark Rosenman brings up a good point. Again, we have talked about this on prior podcasts. It's all about player development. It's not just Lou Senior Nino We have talked about this before, right? The Bridgeport Sound Tigers have have left room to be desired with some of the development of our forwards and our young forwards. They really have. Um, there have been some that have gotten through the system, like a Brock Nelson. Again, though, he did go ahead and play a lot of college hockey as well before that. But we've always talked about this. Why do talented players sometimes not always play on those top six roles there with Bridgeport? Now, I think it has gotten a little bit better. Um, but we've always talked about the yin and yang of what's more important, instilling the values of winning and being a competitor and a professional or actually developing talent. Yeah, Mark brings up. Nino need a rider. I mean, and that's a previous regime, but you know, when you're a bad team uh, and certainly Garth Snow did that with Nino need he rushed him. He wasn't ready to play in the NHL. And I'm going to argue, even though you know how much I hate the King of the secondary assist, he was rushed. I mean, when you rush guys and don't give him a chance, there's a difference between rushing guys and letting them overripe on the vine. The previous regime rush, rush, rush. This regime, let them over, let them just rot on the tree, and that's what we're doing. I mean, I to me, it's just so frustrating. There is a happy medium that we could utilize, and we just don't seem to. I mean, Nino, Nino, and what do we do when you brought Nino in? Right, you play him on the fourth line for the year. He's not a fourth line player. Well, remember, Nino didn't even play nine minutes a game, and it was like I think for like sixty-eight games or seventy games. I can't remember the exact amount. And then the entire next season, he was in Bridgeport. I mean, that just it reeked of mismanagement and mishandling a young player and a young man. It's unfortunate. Again, he obviously had a successful career there. Again, as to how successful, you know, that's to be left to be debated. Uh, but he did have a pretty successful career there with Minnesota. Yeah, for the fifth pick in the draft, though, I would have to say uh, he's underachieved, right? Let's be honest. And could you say that it's because he was rushed into the NHL? I don't know, perhaps. But he had a, he had a shot in uh, Minnesota, and he did okay for a while. Then he moved on to Carolina, and he I don't uh, his thing. I think there are other players in that draft who turned out better than him. Who drafted 
I was about to say he, you know, he he probably didn't live up to you know a fifth overall pick, grumpy old man. But he did he did turn into a successful career. Where at the beginning it definitely looked like it could be marred with no possible chance of being successful. And I mean, think about it, right? There are there are picks that are in top five, like Nail Yakupov's Zhardev, that aren't successful in the top five. So again, you could definitely get worse than what we had than Nino Niederreiter. And that's what happens when you draft eighteen year old kids, and they are kids, right? I mean, but when you see. Uh, people, guys who just have unlimited talent and they don't pan out. Those are like Alexander Day, right? He was drafted number one overall by Ottawa back in, gosh, I forget the year, in the 90s sometime. Can't miss, can't miss. Well, he got rushed in the lineup and he did miss. And that, I mean, he's one of the biggest draft busts of all time. He's before your time, but he was like hyped as, you know, better than sliced bread. Well, so he's like the Ryan Leaf back in the day is what you're telling me, Grump. No. Oh. God, he's not Ryan Leaf. <laughs> uh, I will. I am going to preface this, Grumpy. I need you for this next comment we're going to read. I need you to start taking deep breaths. I need you to relax because you're going to, I'm going to tell you, you're going to overreact just based off of what it's going to say on it. And Absolutely. I know you dislike this player, um, but I'm just going to go ahead and pop this up. Tommy Baffy says, can we talk about the inspiring play from Holmstrom at the World Juniors? Your thoughts on this event before you say anything, grumpy old man. I think it is important that we preface it. Simon Holmstrom has been putting up points in juniors. We had talked about him on the last live stream in the podcast. That being said, grumpy old man, he has been putting up points. I, I really didn't come away that impressed with his play. He is mostly a, off on the periphery. He's towards the outside. He doesn't really mix it up too often in front of the net. And, and you see on social media, anytime, you know, a smaller defenseman tries to go ahead and knock him off the puck, you know, he kind of shoves him back a little bit. And, you know, you see the fans out there, oh, look at this. Look how strong he is on the puck. I'm like, guys, let's calm down, right? He's 20 years old. He's, you know, at the top of that age group. And the guys he's going against sometimes, I mean, they're, they're five, six inches smaller than he is. And, again, like, Holmstrom's not a huge guy, grumpy old man. I think he has had – Flashes, as I've said multiple times, I think he showed multiple flashes. I think he does handle the puck really well. I think he does have good vision. Uh, I think he has a great shot. And, you know, when it comes to the physical aspect, grumpy old man, not necessarily there. And I don't ever expect him to be a very physical guy. Um, okay. You want to just leave it there? Because I, if, if I was rating him on a 1 to 10, I'd give him a 2. And that's being generous. That's being generous. He had one little fancy dangle between the legs thing that resulted in nothing, uh, you know, which is fine. Okay, how many players get away with that? I'm going to get. I'm going to tell you what. Supremely talented players in the NHL can occasionally get away with that. This guy won't be able to get away with that. He made one nice back pass for a primary assist. It was. Uh, it was. I will say that was a nice okay. back pass. Absolutely. Absolutely. Other than that. He's the king of the secondary assists. He'll pass it to somebody who'll make a couple of moves, make a pass, and then somebody will make an individual playing score. I've watched every single minute of every single game that he's played, and I'm totally underwhelmed with his performance. Uh, here's the thing. I looked at him in comparison to the guys who I said that we should have potentially drafted, the Philip Tomasinos, the Connor McMichaels, and the Alex Kalievs. And I'm going to tell you what. There is absolutely nothing – that Holmstrom does any nothing that he even does on par with what those other with those other players do. Not one thing. Not one thing. Uh, shot, you can't, shot, I can't grumpy when you make statements like that. They drive me insane. Okay. But here's the thing: I'm watching. 
I mean, he, he's he's invisible. I tell you what, if they were doing uh, a reboot of The Invisible Man, Simon Holstrom could star in that role. He is allergic to the front of the net. He's a total perimeter player. He won't go into corners. Absolutely not. He's a typical old-fashioned Swede. Hold on, hold on. He It's not that he won't go into corners. He's had the puck in corners before. It's just that he's he not a guy who comes – Hold on, hold on. No, that's not true, Grumpy Old Man. He doesn't get stripped. I will say, when you're talking about this, because I've been watching a lot of Sweden games, a lot of the games there that they've, played, that they've been playing in. I've been impressed with a few different players on their team, right? I've been impressed with Lucas Raymond. Obviously, of course, you know, the fourth overall pick, you're probably going to be impressed with the talent level he does have. And, again, like I had players written down like Theodor Niederbach. I thought he had played well. I thought he really showed flashes as well as Elmer Soderblom. There have been certain guys that have really popped out a little bit for me. And I think Holmstrom's had isolated instances for certain where I've said, that's good. That's beautiful. And in the same token, though, a lot of time it's just kind of like, eh, blase, you know, blase fair. Like, oh, okay, it's just going on out there. It's not like he's out there on the ice taking control of the game. That's the thing, right? I, and, watch, I watch him play. Sorry to interrupt. I watch him play and I said, how does Josh Hosang not get the opportunity that this guy has gotten? Because Josh, I've seen Josh Hosang play. He is infinitely better than Simon Holmstrom. There is no comparison between the two of those guys skill-wise. Absolutely none. I mean, I really I, – I ask any everyone to watch the NHL Network in the coming days when Sweden is playing – and I don't even know if they. I think I think they're playing. I think they're playing right now, Grumpy. They, they were playing Finland earlier today. I think that game is over now. Um, I don't know if they won or lost. They were up two to one. But if they moved on to the next round, I I really ask watch him. And if you give an honest appraisal of his talent, and you're going to say, mm, you know what, he doesn't impress me. You look at other players, they certainly impress. He doesn't, and he's one of the older players on the team. He's not one of the younger ones, one of the older ones. And that's the thing, right? We try to look at it through uh, as unbiased as humanly possible when we're trying to evaluate these type of guys. I mean, we're not eyes on aisles over here where they're talking about, oh, Rajan Yemi, yeah, he's so great, he's so this, he's so that, when he's being healthy scratched there in juniors. and, <laughs> and, and You know what I mean? In, in the preliminary rounds. We're not over there hyping players up like that because you know when you're being healthy scratched – uh, not necessarily the best performer on the particular team. That being said, grumpy old man, I thought that, that again, I, I like the way the Sweden has been playing. It's going to be interesting. I, I do always love the rounds um, towards the end there. And I hope we do get to see Sweden against the United States in some capacity. I want to see some high score. I know we have already. I want to see those. Some right. We certainly did. Captain Invisible did what he does best. Shrink from the occasion. Well, I want to see more. I want to see more. And again, I wouldn't mind seeing the United States against Sweden rematch. I really wouldn't. I will say if he just steps on the ice, he'll show more than he showed in the first game. Nothing. 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 He was invisible. I wanted – I and here's the thing. You know, all, all kidding aside, I want that kid to be good. I just feel like it was just a really overdrafting of a kid who just isn't that good when there was so much exceptional talent available that we let go. And then I see the Tomasinos, the McMichaels, the Kaliev's actually performing. I'll tell you what, Kaliev – Looks to me like he's got a better shot than Wallstrom, what I saw. That kid has a rocket. And I'll tell you what, his skating is not where it needs to be. And I don't think he's in the best physical physical condition right now. But he plays on the top line. And there's a reason why he plays on the top line, because he can shoot the puck. And that's something I, we need on this team. 
I'll tell you this, grumpy old man, those players who have good wrist shots, who have good, you know, stick handling ability, but lack the ability to skate always, always, always scare me, grumpy old man. They always do. Okay. I didn't say he couldn't skate. I said he could improve his skating. Okay. They they're, you know, they're lackluster in the skate skating department. Is that a more accurate depiction? No. I think he suffers because he plays with Zgras and um and Turcotte, who are ex exceptional skaters. They're all on the same line. And he pales in comparison to them as skaters. He's not a poor skater. I mean, he comes back, he back checks. I tell you. I was really impressed by his uh, by him coming back and back checking, which I didn't expect from him at all. I mean, you just see the growth of a player like that. He's somebody that I said, you know, somebody we definitely should have considered. Why? Because he can put the puck in the net. It's something we need. Then I see Tomasino who skates like skating rings around people out there, and McMichael who's like a little tank. I mean, these are the type of guys we need. We don't need guys who are perimeter players. Those are not the guy type of guys we need. Yeah, and again, uh, grumpy old man, just to let you know here, uh, it's 2-1 still Sweden midway through the third there. Um, so we do still – that game is still ongoing, grumpy old man. Okay. Uh, <clears throat> there is – I wanted to pull this up here, grumpy old man. You're talking about uh, – we're talking about Broussard being gone. I do think that it does leave good – it does leave a door open there for either Wallstrom or Bellos. And I – I don't think it's going to be a Komarov who slides in. I mean, you talk about you don't think Oliver Wallstrom's going to be in the starting lineup come opening night. If you remember, was it two? It's three years ago now, grumpy old man. Do you remember starting night? I don't think Adam Pellick was in the starting lineup three years ago. This is when he was kind of getting healthy scratch. He got healthy scratch at some point throughout the season too. Um, they didn't know exactly what his role was going to be. I remember, I think it was against Carolina. They healthy scratched Adam Pellick and put in Lucas Spiza. That's right. Okay, wow. I'm shocked they came back to me. Three years ago, I think it was Grumpy Old Man. And so why? Would, it, would it shock me? Hold on, Grumpy. Would it shock me at all if Oliver Wallstrom is not the starter on opening night? No, it would not. But I think he's slowly going to get worked into the actual lineup. If he doesn't play sufficient of defense, he will not play on this team. I mean, they've come out and said it. Their actions show it all the time. What's the one thing that even his coach, when he was playing in Finland uh, earlier this year, or at the tail end of last year, because we are in 2021, uh, what is that? He still needs to work on this play away from the puck. That's not going to endear him to Barry Trotz, I'm going to tell you right now. You're going to see – and hopefully hopefully Bellows gets a shot. I mean, he's another guy. Is he a bottom six guy? No, he's a top six guy. I would – like I said, for me, I'd have the better offensive players. If you're going to bring an Oliver Wallstrom in, he should be playing no worse than the second line. Move Josh Bailey down to play on the third line. That's just me. I will say this again, like when you have guys like Bailey, they're very malleable. They can fit in. And again, he's a Swiss army knife for the team. I know you're not a big Bailey fan. He's not, you know, the greatest thing since sliced bread, grumpy old man, but I love to have him on our team and on our organization. I love to have Josh Bailey as a part of our organization. I do. He's made the most money with marginal talent of any player I've seen in different times. <laughs> and then he wants to resign him again. They'll probably protect him in the expansion draft. Yeah, let that, that's smart. Let's protect guys in their 30s. Yeah, that's bright. I mean, I will know, say that. Alex Ovechkin, I'm not protecting anybody in their 30s. Why would you want to protect someone on your roster for, and give up young players? Oh, 
you know, whatever. Grumpy old man, I want to interrupt you here. Again, This, these are things you've said a long time. Mark also chiming in saying, the NHL is now a young man's league. No such thing as rushing players anymore. Years ago, first-round players played in the minors. Now they're top six players. Now, again, I think there's sometimes that a player does need actual time to develop. You know, you could tell they kind of come in. They're not necessarily up to the strength level needed there to survive an entire season up there in the NHL. Um, they do lack a little bit, but obviously they have a lot of potential. But you've talked about this a long, long time, Grumpy Old Man. The league's changing. The league is much more predicated heavily now on skating rather than having you know bigger, more physical players out there on the ice. It's always nice to have bigger physical players, but skating is king. You have to have players who can skate. The older players usually do struggle skating as they do continue to get older. Mark is preaching to the choir on this one. Here's, I mean, I'm gonna I'm gonna try to explain it to everyone one more time. If you can get your younger players producing at a high level earlier, you're going to get big cost savings in their early contract years. That's what you're going to get. If you let them play to the tail end before they even get to the NHL, we want them to be overripe, ready just to step right in, you know, that constant refrain. But you want to know what? If you let them get to that point, and Ryan Pulak's at that point, right? How many years has he been up with the big team now? Three years, really? For that he was a part-timer. He should have been playing for this team years ago. Let him learn on the job, especially when your team is bad. I mean, what's the benefit? So what happens is by the time they're fully developed players like Devon Taves, you're going to lose in the free agency, or you're going to have to trade them because you can't afford to pay them because you're overpaying for the older players. And it's just, it's so frustrating. Let the young kids play. I've said it a hundred thousand times, and I'm going to say it a hundred thousand and one. And we've talked about this, too, and I kind of want to shift gears a little bit. When you're talking about the World Juniors, everybody always gets attracted to how many points people are producing, right? Because you're playing against the top talent of the people around your age. It's almost imagine like an all-star game, a conglomeration of the best of the best. I will say this much. I really don't take much stock in how much players particularly perform on the score sheet in the World Juniors. I really don't, grumpy old man. I think it's more important to actually look at the play on the ice, right? I mean, if you, if you take the clock back, how many years ago was it now? Four, three, four years ago, Kiefer Bellows set the record. I think it was for nine goals for the United States in the World Juniors. Again, it's nice and all, but it's it's better to understand exactly how he scored those goals, You know what type of player is producing away from the puck, on the puck, things like that. And again, I, I Kiefer Bellows, I think, is you know one of our higher-rated prospects. After that World Juniors, people were extremely high on him. They were... I mean, look back at it, grumpy old man. He was our top guy back then at that time yeah. period. And since then, yeah, he slipped and slide a little bit further on down the list. Okay. What's his what's his greatest weakness as a player? Just skating, right? Skating. I mean, I, I always I, I if you can skate, you can play in this league. I mean, what can Josh Hosang do? Oh no, I'm just I'm just I'm just I'm just trying to make a point. Just trying to make a point. He can <laughs> skate. What does Michael Del Cole not do well? Skate. But somehow, what can't Lee O'Konorov do anymore? Skate. What does Matt Martin struggle with now? Skating. You know, what does Anders Lee struggle at? Skating. What they see that, but hey, everybody come to you can't skate, come play for the Islanders. I mean, you know, and here's the thing we are a team that is certainly better than some of his parts, but think about it since Lamarole has come here, he's got Matt Martin. J.G. Pajot, the greatest number 44 in New York sports history since Reggie Jackson, and uh, Andy Green. That's it. That's it. And he's been here, what, three and a half years? That's it. 
What's he done to really improve the team? It's the same team when Doug Wade had it. Well, we have we have made a, a few additional moves, but nothing really that has you know really significantly moved the needle, right? Grumpy old man like Sarnak, obviously there. Also Schneider, we've made a few moves, Grumpy old man, but it's yes. not like it's been huge. You're moving, all you're doing is moving chairs on the tight deck chairs on the Titanic. It's all you're doing. You're not you don't have he hasn't gotten a difference maker on this team, not a one. And and who's the guy? Who's the guy who anytime he messes up, we like to bench for the end of the game. Who? Matt Barzal, the only guy with any offensive talent. Hey, you know what? I, I You know, my blood pressure is really up, TJ. You've got my blood pressure up. The Simon Holmes from Col uh, comment absolutely did. But I want to talk about what's going to be going on. I, I have a few. I have a few more things, Grumpy. Okay, we got a few right, comments too. We are going to move our direction a little bit towards what our predictions are for the division, Grumpy Old Man. But there are a few more things I did want to specifically address. You talked about. I want to talk about Mike Hoffman also. Um, mm -hmm. He did sign since our last live stream. He signed a PTO there with the St. Louis Blues. Now, Grumpy, you said this was around. They expected to be around one year, four million per. Is that accurate, Grump? And again, we don't know. Nothing's here. finalized. Right, but we couldn't make that happen here, really. I mean, I, we could. We got we got another guy dying to go on long term injury. He's been injured for the last three years. I mean, it's that's all over but the shouting. You could have dumped Andrew Lyle in long term injury long ago. Absolutely. And again, it, I know you're being a little facetious. It's a little more difficult than just dumping somebody on long term injury, rumpy old man. Not for Lou Lamarillo, it's not. Not for the king, it's not. You can do anything he wants. He could burn down a building and be okay as far as the NHL is concerned. He's a hockey god. You know that. <laughs> and he was back in the day. He absolutely was. I will say this. I talked to you about this a little bit off air. I'm just sick and tired of the Islanders after we don't sign a free agent that apparently we were hot on coming out and saying, oh, we had a huge hand in that. We were really coming close to signing that player. I, I just am not sure how many more of those type of players I could see where it's the same exact storyline. A player that can help improve the team, like Mike Hoffman, again, does have a little bit of issues there off the ice, or his wife did. I don't know. Not really worth diving into too much for this particular segment. But you know, he does bring some offensive acumen. He could put the puck in the net, perform well there uh, in postseason. He performed well there for the Florida Panthers against us, right, Grumpy Old Man, if I'm remembering this correctly? I think I think he scored a couple of goals. I mean, here, Mike Hoffman's a goal scorer. But here's the thing. If he came here, where is he going to play? Is he a third-line player? Absolutely not. Well, here's the thing, Grumpy Old Man, right? You could slide him up, and you could always move a guy like Josh Bailey there with Jean-Gabriel Pajot. I think that – infinitely helps out his wing play uh, with Jean-Gabriel Pacheco. Again, I, we've seen what he can do when you actually put the right pieces around him. I, I don't think there's any single fan who doesn't believe in Jean-Gabriel Pacheco's ability now. I know I was definitely hesitant for what we had to trade and give up for Jean-Gabriel Pacheco, but I was wrong. Um, not the first time, certainly won't be the last time, bro. Who, who was right on that, by the way? Grumpy, you were. Thank you very much. It's like you need that little self-gratification. There you go, Grumpy. You're right. You I, feel vindicated. I just want when, here's the thing. When I'm wrong, I admit it. I mean, I know it's you don't hear it very often because I'm very in, I'm very infrequently am I wrong. But you know, I just like the fact that you admitted that you were wrong, which is hard to believe, actually. Oh, stop, grumpy old man. But I but I like I said, you that comment is hundred percent correct. We need to get better line mates for him. But the system, I mean, that's the whole thing, you know, and Whenever I hear after the fact, oh, we were in on this player, we were in on this player, you know what? That tells me they're leaking information, first of all, 
to, to try to sell the fan base that, yes, we are trying to get better, even though we do absolutely nothing. And Garth Snow did the same thing. It's the same thing. When you don't do anything to improve your team, what's the thing you you leak that you're trying to get better? We were in on this guy. We were in on this guy. Why would Mike Conklin want to come in? Turn, I don't know turn, turn, the, turn the clock back, grumpy old man, even to the old days, right? We did that with Ia Kovachuk, didn't we? Oh, we were heavy on there in Kovachuk. Or am I correct there, grumpy? No. I'm really trying to, I'm trying to think of who it was there. I, I remember there well, used that, to be players back in the day. I remember we did the same thing for Panarin. I mean, again, we were heavy on Panarin. But – I'm just sick and tired of seeing that narrative, grumpy old man. Where we're heavy in on a player. Oh, we came really close to signing him, but you know, he just went to somebody else. It's what teams that don't improve do to sell their home, their fan base that they're trying to improve, even when they're not. Now, let me ask you a question: Why would Mike Hoffman want to come here? Mike Hoffman's a goal scorer. Is this team predicated on scoring goals? Absolutely not. Are those the type of players that we go after? Absolutely not. Every player that he's picked up since he's been here has fit the Barry Trot system of being defensively responsible first and foremost, not offensive talent, being able to play a two-way game. The only reason that Trotz won the Stanley Cup in Washington is because he had superior talent to begin with on that team, and they just needed a new coach. And you had Alexander Ovechkin buy in to play the two-way game. When your big man buys in, Everybody else buys in. That's why they won the Stanley Cup. It's not because of Barry Trotz's system, which failed in Nashville year after year after year. It's because he had superior talent at that Washington team. We don't have superior talent here. I will tell you, that's that's something that will always be analyzed. I mean, Barry Trotz is an excellent, outstanding coach. He, is. Saw, he for certain is. It just when it comes down to that last little oomph you need in order to win it all. That's where I think you're what you're talking about, grumpy old man. Absolutely. And like I said, I think it also benefited them, Washington, that they played Vegas, a first year expansion team in the finals. Hmm. Yeah. You hey, think about TJ, right, TJ Oshie, Nick Back, Nick Basham. Those guys are all more talented than anybody we have on our team, with the exception <laughs> of Matt Barzell. But I think the point you brought up is interesting, right? When you talk about Hoffman's looking to sign a one-year deal. I know we talked about this last podcast. Um, I thought he was probably optimally looking there for a two-year deal just so we can get closer to where the cap is going to expand. Then hopefully he can sign a little bit more of a long-term contract. That being said, only signing a one-year deal like that, he's going to look to try to maximize how many points he can put on the board. Right. That's that's how he makes his living is by scoring points, you know, scoring goals and helping assisting goals. That's how he makes his living. If he goes to a team like the Islanders where necessarily he doesn't have the ability to put up as many points as he would with the St. Louis Blues. I could see that being a little bit. Uh, he might be apprehensive there to join us. But, you know, I have seen a slew of different excuses as to why big name players don't sign with the Islanders for the longest time. Remember, Grumpy Old Man, it was a stadium. And then when we had the stadium there in uh, Barclays, that was, oh, well, nobody likes the Barclays Stadium. We're moving away. It's always been one excuse after the other. At some point in time, the excuses have to end. That being said, I don't think Mike Hoffman was needed. I will be happy to see a guy like a Kiefer Bellows or an Oliver Wallstrom getting a chance. Right? It's time to find out what the grumpy old man, because if they don't have what it takes, grumpy, that – I mean, you need to know that sooner rather than later. You can't just continually say, right, we're, we're getting them ready. We're preparing them there. We want to make sure they're over ripe on the vines. That's not the right mentality to have. Right. See, to me, last year, Kiefer Bella should have been up with the team the whole year. 
he showed enough in preseason where he should have been up on that roster the whole year, not down in the A. And you let him play as Michael Del Cole doesn't bring anything to the table. Nothing. You bring some offensive upside from Keeper Bellows, right? He's a kid who's not afraid to shoot the puck. Matt Martin. Hey, right, Matt Martin, super fan favorite. Love Matt Martin. Is he really needed or could Ross Johnston suffice in that role? I mean, they've sucked the intensity out of Ross Johnston for the most part, right? They the thing that made Matt that made Ross Johnston special was his Phyllis physicality. When he's out on there in the ice, nobody takes run at Matt Munz at Matt Barzell or anybody else on the team. But they've managed to suck that life out of him as much as they could. They want to always want to jam everybody into that cookie coal, really into that uh that cookie mold. But I'm gonna tell you what. The best coaches take the talent they have and they tweak their system. They don't try to fit the players into their system. They try to tweak their system to get the most out of their players. And that's the one thing I don't think that Barry Trotz does exceptionally well. He does a lot of things well, but that's something, again, yeah. like not, not every coach not every coach is perfect, Grump, the old man. Um, yeah. Tommy also mentioned, he says, I will say now that if the Islanders could have a lot of room if they add a big player, uh, to add a big player at the deadline, if a hickey or lad go on long-term injury at some point. Uh, Again, like I'll be interested in seeing what happens with Lad. I mean, we're stuck with that contract. Is it another two years, Grumpy? Wow. And by the way, Finland just won. They just beat Sweden three to two there. Grumpy old man. Well, I DVR'd that game, so I'm gonna watch Captain Invisible uh when this podcast is over, just see what he didn't do, which is probably everything. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, Finland got it had well, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. I'm glad Finland won. They certainly dominated Sweden. Uh from when I saw, like in that second period, they certainly carried the play. I think Sweden was suffering a little bit from playing uh, three games in four nights. I think that hurt them. Uh, but you could tell their their better players shine today. At least the game that I saw, and the rest are just ham and eggers. <laughs> well, Grumpy old man, we are going to move a little bit more towards Grumpy. Our predictions for the season, Grumpy Old Man. We have this here. We're going to talk about it on the podcast, Grumpy. You got your nice little smirk smile over here. Um, it's the best one I can pull up on you. You know, this division is going to be tough to predict. It really is, Grumpy. It's the toughest division, I think, in hockey this year. Um, I think, I think top to bottom for certain. I think top to bottom it is. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you just look at some of the – and like I said – I think the first two teams are definitely making the playoffs. After that, you could see any of the next four make the playoffs. Any of the next four. I want to start off down here at the bottom, Crumpy old man. Okay. Both yourself and myself predict the New Jersey Devils will be at the bottom of the division, Grumpy old man. I want to hear first your rationale as to why you put them there at the bottom, and I'll kind of go ahead and provide mine, Grumpy. Well, I just think they're still in full rebuild mode. Uh, I mean, this offseason, they did make a couple of signings. They brought in uh, Corey Crawford um, to take Corey Snyder's place to share the goaltending duties with Mackenzie Blackwood. I think that's a solid pairing right there. You know, Crawford's the older vet. He's 36 now. And then you look at Blackwood, he's 24. I think they have a solid goaltending tandem. They also signed Dmitry Kulikov uh, for a one-year deal. I don't think he's anywhere near what he was, but – you know, maybe it could, uh, you know, solidify that back end a little bit. But here's the here's the big deal that uh, they also signed Joe Morrow, you know, and uh, Nikita Gusev. They signed him. Um, I think he was with Vegas last year, um, but I know they signed him in like in in July. So he's going to be with the team this year coming up. But then you look at 
Uh, I think the biggest deal that they made was signing Nico Heischer to a seven-year extension at 21 years old, right? That's the type of thing that I've been preaching for how long, right? Sign your younger players to big-term deals when they're young so you get their production, not on the back end when their career's on the downside. We, we, hold on, Grump. I want to interrupt. We've talked about that, right? Um, again, I, I don't disagree, and a lot of teams are moving with that same mentality. Sign the players when they're younger, sign them, you know, so you do go ahead and occupy, and you'll have the majority of their actual producing years, and you're going to have them under contract. Again, I, I think you're right there. New Jersey looks like they're pretty much still in full rebuild. I know they did sign back Heischer. Um, it's 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 unfortunate they're going to be in this division I, again. If they weren't in such uh, such a tough division, or if there were some teams you know towards the bottom, sure I could maybe see them you know squeaking out a few more wins. But it's unfortunate that this is a very very tough. It's a very competitive division, Grumpy Old Man. Absolutely. Now, and now you have finishing second to the bottom, the Buffalo Sabers. I have the Rangers. Yeah, like I said, I think you could see. I think Buffalo. The reason why I picked Buffalo. They're still missing something, and I don't know if it's a veteran element that they're missing to help them. I name. they have some really, uh, really good young talent, and you look at who they signed in the offseason, right? I mean, they signed Taylor Hall. Now, Taylor Hall, just like Mike Hoffman, signs a one-year deal, right? I mean, you know, $8 million, $8 million per for one year. You know why? Because he's betting on himself to have a better year and hopefully that the, the uh, cap situation opens up. Other than that, they really haven't done a whole lot. They signed Cody Eakin, uh, you know, for third line center duties there. But other than that, they just resigned a lot of their key guys. And I still worry about their goaltending situation with, uh, you know, Mark and Hutton. So that's why I put them below the Rangers. And again, I think, and I put it like this the reason I put them, I, the reason, oh, hell. The reason I put them slightly above the Rangers, grumpy old man, is now you're going to see Taylor Hall out there with Jack Eichel as well as Olofsson. I think you're going to see, again, that is going to be a high-octane line. Again, you look at their top six. Top six isn't that bad, grumpy old man. I think adding Taylor Hall really helps solidify their top six forward group. I mean, second line, you're looking at Eric Stahl, Jay Skinner, who had a very, very, very good season last year with Buffalo, as well as Sam Reinhardt. So, again, I think they've kind of solidified a little bit of the top six. Goalie situation, again, leaves a little left to be desired. But I put the Rangers slipping a little bit. I know they they added some – I mean, like, hell, what, they had the number two overall pick in the draft, or was it the first? I can't remember this far. It's the second. Oh, first overall pick. That's right, grumpy old man. That's right. Alex Lafreniere. I can't pronounce his name right yet. Just I'll give me a few – Right. I'll be surprised if he starts for them this year. I don't know if he'll play for them this year or not, but I'm going to tell you, if we drafted him, there's no shot he was playing here. First of all, we wouldn't have drafted him. We probably would have picked the same guy we picked in the third round with the first pick of the draft. Uh, but that said, I, I think the Rangers, I mean, I just think Sesterkin showed last year that he can take the lobby. I mean, they've lost Lundqvist, but Sesterkin looks like he was ready to step in and be the starter anyway. Uh I just like I said, the thing with Buffalo is I think that they need more grit on that team. When they traded Ryan O'Reilly, I, I mean, I know why they did it, but I think it took a key element away from their team. Well, the reason I had the Rangers slipping is the defensive side of the puck. 
grumpy old man. I, I get it. I mean, like the goalie, I think they definitely found – I mean, Shesterkin's their goalie of the future, which is good for the Rangers. That being said, I think really besides Aaron Fox, I mean, Truba didn't have a great season last year. Their defense is really iffy, in my opinion, grumpy old man. It really is. Again, they are another team that has a lot of offensive talent, a lot of offensive ability. I just wonder how that defense is going to hold up. I mean, this is – it's going to be physical. You're right. Remember, tempers are going to flare. They're not necessarily an overly huge team, grumpy old man. They can skate, though. They, they can skate. The defense the defense has always left me kind of perplexed with the Rangers. I mean, last year, even when they were kind of starting to right the ship towards the end, it was mostly on Shesterkin's back. Um, now, he's the guy, right? I mean, like he was starting to take over as the guy, but still it wasn't like official. He still always had, you know, Lundqvist there in some capacity in case he ever were to slip up, right? It's easy to slide him in. Well, but the same he got go he got to that car accident, which kind of derailed him a bit. Uh, last year because he had taken over the number one spot um, from Lundquist. And then he, like I said, he had that car accident and that was kind of it. It was towards the tail end of the year. And that was that. But I think he, his name, he looked really good in that. Goaltender could be up and down, but he looked really good last year. And he I, comes from that same goalie, you know, from Russia, you know, Samsonov, Sisterkin, um, and our Sorokin. guy. Well, our guy. The and Sorokin, Grumpy Old Man. Yeah, uh, that being said, Grumpy Old Man, I think their left defensemen are just kind of – it leaves something to be desired too. I mean, you're looking at it, Lindgren, Smith, and then whoever the hell they're out, they're going to put there as you know, their bottom six on the left defense side. I, I think, again, it just leaves a lot to be desired there on the defensive side of the puck. I mean, your goalie can only do so much if they're not – if they're not set in a good situation. Uh, that being said, I want to kind of shift our gear up here to who we think is going to finish the fifth. Uh, and again, this one was tough. I know we switched them. You put the Pittsburgh Penguins. I put the Flyers. Um, I think we can agree with one thing, grumpy old man. The Pittsburgh Penguins are slipping. They're towards the end. You know, their fun in the sun is over, grumpy old man. The Pittsburgh Penguins are, you know, their window is closing. Well, I yeah, yeah, I, I agree. Go ahead, continue. I'm sorry. No, 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 grumpy old man. I'm just saying they're a team that's been riddled with injuries, it looks like, the last few seasons. Chris Letang could never seem to stay healthy. And, again, he's getting older. He's not a huge defenseman. He's you know, had a few injuries the last few years. I mean, I remember Gensel was out last year for the Penguins. It just seems like they're always having issues with the injuries. And, again, Sidney Crosby's not getting any younger. Malkin's not getting any younger. Latang is not getting any younger. So I always wonder long-term how that's going to look. But we're talking this season. I think they still have the ability, if they stay healthy, to squeak into the playoffs. If they have injuries like they did last season, I think they're in trouble. You know, Tristan Jarry did a nice job in goal last year. Uh, did so well, in fact, that they were comfortable letting Matt Murray leave. Uh, I know they picked up Cody Cece uh, to go on the back end uh, this year. But and you're you're right, you know Malkin and Crosby are getting up there in age. Uh, they also have Brian Dumoulin, who's a good solid defenseman. But the key for me is keeping Chris Letang healthy. When he's healthy, he drives everything from that back end. Now he's older too, so you can expect more injuries. But uh, I I I mean I don't I know you think they're done. I don't think they're quite done. Uh, just because it's still the skill. I know the skill is older. But they're still extremely talented. Extremely talented. I just, I, I just really worry, right? If they were to get injuries to any of those guys, and you know, their their bigger name guys have gotten injured in the past, right? If they weren't getting injured and they were staying remotely healthy throughout the season, sure, it's it's a different story. But 
we're seeing these players, these these key contributors to their team consistently getting hurt. It makes me think, you know, that's a trend that's going to continue, especially the older that you get. When's the last time Chris Letang stayed healthy through an entire season, grumpy old man? It's been a while. I've had him on my fantasy teams last couple of years and been disappointed. But, you know, he's always playing at the end of the year come playoff time, so. <laughs> well, that's true, grumpy old man. And now with the Flyers, I have them slipping a little bit off their last year's performance. I know they got hot towards the end of the year, and they really rode that hot wave into a good position there. I mean, if you looked at it during, I guess you could say, the um, the seeding for the Eastern Conference, where I think the top four teams are playing each other, they came out number two, grumpy old man. Is that correct? Yes. Or they come out number one. I couldn't remember. Um, they they well, finished – um, no, I, th- I think they – no, they were number one. They were number one. I know that – I didn't remember if they beat uh, Tampa, but I definitely remember they beat Boston and they beat Washington. I couldn't remember if they beat Tampa or not or where exactly they placed. They're either number one – well, they're either – they seeded at number one or number two. doesn't um, really matter in retrospect. Grumpy it didn't, man. Matter, didn't matter to me. The highlight of the postseason was us beating them because I absolutely despise the Flyers. As anyone who listens to this podcast knows, I hate the Flyers. <laughs> <laughs> but, well, but I rank them as making the playoffs. Like I said, I can be impartial because if I was totally partial, I would have picked them last in the division. But, you know, that would have been irresponsible on my part. So I did pick them to make the playoffs, and that's strictly based on the development of Carter Hart. I think uh, he's a future star in this league. I think he's a really good goalie. He still has some games where he's, you know, any young goalie where he'll get shelled, but he's really solid. And, uh, He's because I always feel that the Flyers in throughout their history have never been great defensively. I still uh, don't think that's I still think that's an issue for them. Right. And it's just just the way the franchise and you know, some franchise like you look at the New York Yankees, right? It's always hitting, it's never pitching, and they really don't develop pitchers. Well, the Flyers really don't uh develop defensemen. I mean, Prokhorov is certainly one. Uh, but you know, you look at it, I mean, he's their best all-around defense, and everybody else is just kind of a niche guy. Uh, I know they picked up uh, Gustafson to help out on the power play, which was abysmal last year. But they're always an aggressive four-checking team, and that's always been their style going back to the 1970s. And, yeah, heavy four-checking team, 100% accurate. Again, I have a few Flyer fans and friends that I know, and I remember even talking to them two, three years ago, right? They are high and heavy there on Gossosphere. I mean, hell, he was being a healthy scratch at time periods last season. Yeah. It's a team that heavily focuses on, hey, we need to put as many points up on the board as possible. But Gossett's view is just kind of like flamed out. Well, yeah, he's a puck-moving defenseman. He just doesn't play much defense. So, I mean, you know, and he's a smaller guy. So it's not even like he's, you know, can physically get in there at all. But like I said, Carter Hart covers up a lot of those mistakes. Well, Nolan Patrick also is going to be back this season. It's, you know, it's easy to forget that he didn't play at all really last year. Well, I think he's getting close to bust category, don't you? I, I mean, he, you know, he is what he is, right? He can't, he can't manage to stay in the lineup for them. He's a healthy scratch a lot of nights. No, he was hurt last year, Grumpy. I, I know they're disappointed in his performance. Wait, As a number two pick in the draft, they're disappointed. For, for certain. I'm not saying he hasn't been disappointing. I mean, the guy's never broken 31 points a season yet that being said i'm just saying he's back I, again i'm not sure what role he's going to play but he is back and he is healthy so he's better than I don't know. It's, 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 it's something to take into account he didn't play any games last season he was hurt i couldn't remember if he played some didn't play any but he was hurt all last year again it's hard for me to go ahead and rule a guy as a bust when he's only 22 years old 
Well, they just signed him to a one-year, one-year extension. They resigned him this offseason to a one-year, you know, whatever it was, the minimum eight hundred something, eight hundred something thousand dollars a year. Okay. They weren't well, about to sign him to a long-term deal. They weren't willing to commit long-term. I understand that. I mean, he hasn't necessarily performed yet, and he was a situation where, again, you can kind of do that with him. He didn't play at all in 2019-2020. So, yeah, but I do want to kind of shift focus. We both have the Islanders at number three, grumpy old man. And I want to get your reasoning first as to why you have a number three, and I'll give you mine. Okay. I like the Islanders. They're my favorite team. So that's why I couldn't put them any lower than that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they're, they're going to be in the playoff mix, uh, uh, playoff mix for certain. Uh, the one thing we can't afford any injuries to any of our big guys, and I think the shortened season really benefits us. We're going to come out of the gates like we always do, like we did out of uh, out of the quarantine last year, like we did two years ago, like we do every year. We come out of the gates pretty fast. And that's going to benefit us going for a playoff spot for certain. And the fact that we play a lot of back-to-backs, the Barry Trot system really helps us there. Now, I, I will say this. Two years ago, Grumpy, we didn't come out of the gates hot. Um, last year, most certainly we did. And we definitely came out hot after the bubble. But two years ago, we didn't. I mean, it's hard to remember two years ago. That's back when Thomas Hickey was still starting the fenceman for us. Grumpy two seasons ago. Oh yeah, maybe a correspondent when that piece of garbage was sent. No, no, no. Remember, remember, and people, people always drew the connection right after Thomas Hickey got hurt and Devon Taves was inserted in the lineup. Grumpy old man. Which which, let's be honest, Devon Taves earned that spot in training camp. He earned that spot. He was the best defenseman we had that that whole preseason, and somehow he still was sent down to the minors, and they gave my pal Hickey the starting spot there. (laughs) <laughs> well, I want yes, Grumpy, I want you to continue on, Grumpy Old Man. I didn't want to run you off. I just wanted to let you know that two years ago, we didn't come out hot. Last year, most certainly, we came out of the gates hot, and we came out hot after the quarantine, after the bubble. Um, I, think, I think that's because everyone is now familiar with the trot system. That first year, Barry's first year there, I think it took them a little time for them to get acclimated to it, and then they got hot when everybody as, kind of realized what they needed to do. And now everyone knows. As to be expected, grumpy old man. Right. And now they know. Like I said, the one benefit to having the same guys back every year is everyone knows what they have to do. Everybody knows uh, what the expectations are of how they're supposed to perform every night. And that benefits us, especially in this shortened season of 56 games. And the teams, you can't go on a 10-game winless streak and expect to make the playoffs this year. But if you come out and go on a 17, 18, 19-game point streak, you're going to make the playoffs. Uh, for certain. I mean, that would be the equivalent almost to a third of the season, Grumpy Old Man, a little more. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it's all, pretty. All predicated us on signing Matt Barzal back, which I think will happen. We, we're going to sign back Matt Barzal. We'll talk a little bit more about that at the end. We'll wrap the podcast up with that, Grumpy. I think if you look at the team, I think it's easy to say, did we take a step back last season on the offensive side of the puck? I want to say no, we did not. I would argue that we're it's going tough, to it's continue. Tough to take, it's tough to take a step back when you're one of the worst offensive teams in the league anyway, isn't it? All right, Crump, hold on. we got to break it down before you keep running me over here. Um, offensive side of the puck, I think we're going to progress off of last season. It all depends on who's playing that third-line wing spot with Pajot. I think Pajot is definitely a, a plus 
And again, he only played but a handful of games for us last year during the regular season and did play for us for the majority of the playoffs. I think he's going to be addition to our team for this year's regular season. And depending on who he's getting there as a lineman along him, I think that definitely that third line, we've got three really solid centers, or I'm sorry, four really solid centers, which is that I could say the first time since I've watched the honors in a long time in recent memory that we have a solid, solid, solid four depth or four line centers or, you know, first, second, and third are, are looking pretty in fourth line are looking really, really solid grumpy old man. Uh, that also being said, I think defensively, we take a, a step back a little bit, right? We, we lost Taves, but in the same token, we're going to have a healthy Pelic back. And again, injuries can't happen, but I'm just trying to look at this. You know, we did go ahead and subtract Taves. Now, you know, no Dobson is going to be in the lineup. Andy Green and then Johnny Boychuk essentially is just a wash. Um, I think we improved, though, in that. I think if Sorokin performs the way we expect him to perform, I think that's an increase and in, in a plus for us in that grumpy old man. So I think even though we didn't make huge advancements this offseason, I think Sorokin probably is the biggest plus for us so far going into this season from last year that we didn't have. I'm going to disagree with you there. I think the biggest plus is Noah Dobson is going to be getting full-time minutes. And I think by the end of the year, what I'd like to see – the thing that you miss with Taves is it elevates Nicoletti back to a second-pairing defenseman, which I just don't think he is anymore. Now, I would love to see Noah Dobson and Andy Green take over the mantle of the second pairing because then I feel a little bit more comfortable with Mayfield and Letty as being the third-pairing defense, defense group. Uh, and optimally, what I would love to see is J.G. Pajot centering a line with Wallstrom on one side and, side and Bellows on the other. That's what I would love to see. Give those guys that experience. Let them grow. Because I, I, and I think J.G. Pajot would absolutely help them in their development. Yep, and again, like Tommy also points it out, that's why I did not mind us at all not signing back Derek Broussard. We knew not exactly what he was. He was getting healthy scratched in the actual playoffs. He knew he kind of maybe wasn't 100% in the doghouse. They weren't thrilled and enthralled about it. I will say this, though, again, not having Broussard there definitely does give you a chance to integrate those younger players into the lineup, grumpy old man. As long as we're not going to fill that spot with Komarov, and I don't think we are. I think that's a big plus there for us this season. Again, maybe it's, you know, you're going to have a little bit of growing pains, but I think long-term, I think it's better for us. I got a comment. We also have to mix in here before we get to the last two grumpy. John also says last podcast, grumpy barely had us making it in, barely had us making it in the playoffs. Grumpy old man. Yeah, that's true. That's true. That's true. But then I, I remember, think- what, then I remember what podcast I'm, I'm working on this week. So I got to make sure I pump up the Islanders. You know, Stop. when you look at it, when I look at it a little bit, you know, here's the thing. And everything is fluid. The Islanders could miss the playoffs. If we have an injury, I mean, to a key member, we could miss the playoffs. Well, let me butt in, Grumpy Old Man. We talked about it early, and I'll mention it again. Anywhere from three to seven, I think, really is a crapshoot. I think any team can do anything between that category. I think the Islanders, though, being wildly consistent uh, with Barry Trotz, though, I think that does help us out. Um, I think we are going to make the playoffs. So we both have us there slate at number three. Uh, you have the Washington Capitals at number two in the division, Grumpy, and then the Boston Bruins at number one. I have it flip-flopped. I've got the Capitals at one and then the Boston Bruins at number two. Grumpy old man, I'll go ahead and explain my reasoning. I think even though the Boston Bruins, again, an extremely talented team, one of the top five teams in hockey, I think, you know, they lost Tory Krug as well as Chara. And even though, you know, they're kind of towards the tail end of their career, anytime you add in two new faces to be consistent starters in your lineup on the defensive side of the puck, 
there's always going to be some lapses. They're just a will grumpy old man. And again, in net, I think a little shaky. I think the Capitals, um, I, I, I think it's a big plus that Reardon's gone for them. I think I, I never really thought much of Reardon as a coach, grumpy old man. So I think they're in, they're in better shape than they were in the past. Again, I, I think it could be jumbled, but I think definitely the Capitals and the Boston Bruins are the two teams that you're kind of sitting at, or at least I think are pretty much guarantees, as long as you know nothing crazy happens throughout the season to make the playoffs out of the Eastern Division. Yeah, um, and I could have easily flip-flopped them as well. I think Bruce Cassidy is an excellent coach for Boston. They didn't just lose, like you mentioned, Chara, but Chara was not a full-time player anyway. Uh or they, they, they wanted to phase him out. So obviously they feel somebody can step in and do that, his role now. That's why he left. Uh, but the fact that they have Bergeron and Marchant and Pasternak, I think they're going to be okay. And remember, before we had the shutdown, they were the best team in the league. So I think they struggled coming back. Uh, I like their goaltending situation better than Washington's. You have uh, Rask and Halak as opposed to the Capitals, who have uh, Samsonov, and uh, I believe Copley's going to be the backup. I don't think that's as strong. Uh, you're right, Peter Laviolette is a huge – I think he's a huge upgrade in the coaching department over Todd Reardon. Um, and to I, be honest, to be honest, Grumpy, it might take a while for them to get acclimated there to Laviolette. I think he is a better coach than Reardon, though. Well, that would only prove me putting them in the second spot then. So like I, I, try said, to, I try to play devil's advocate. I try to understand the different angles, grumpy old man. Again, I wouldn't be shocked if either of those two teams, I, and I know they're kind of trying to move away from Char and Krug there towards the end. But again, those are two guys who are, you know, pretty much mainstays in their lineup there on the defensive side of the puck that will no longer be on their team and on the roster this season. So, yeah, if you look at um, my four teams, I think they're the best four coaches in the division. Uh, and I think that helps. I, you know, I'm always a proponent of players win games and coaches can lose them. Uh, but you have Cassidy, Laviolette, Trotz, and uh, Vigneault are four pretty good coaches in this division. Uh, Sullivan's okay. I know he's won a couple of cups, but I know Cody was a great coach. You got the guy with the Rangers, the guy from Yale, um, and whatever uh, Jersey and Buffalo have. I mean, is Housley still coaching Buffalo? I don't even know who it is in, in, in New Jersey, honestly. Off the top of my head, Grumpy, I could not tell you. Um, but that's kind of what wraps up here, Grumpy old man. What's looking at our uh, predictions here for this season. Again, I think it – I mean, really, if we're talking about a Grumpy old man, man, oh, man, anywhere from three to seven could be a crapshoot. I can see – I think this year you're going to see – this year is so difficult to predict because all you're playing is within your own division. And I think the teams that are more physical have a better chance of moving on. I, I just think I just think it's going to be a much more physical season, and you're going to see some real old-fashioned NHL hatred going on. And I love it. It's safe to say you're going to see you're going to see. I mean, I know the penalty leader last year was Evander Kane. I think he had 122 penalty minutes. It's fair to say that you're going to have a lot more penalty minutes this year than you did last year, just because again you're playing those teams in your division consistently. I'm going to say definitely not because there's only 56 games this year and there were 70 last year, so I don't think you're going to see more penalty minutes. Um, okay. Maybe over per game, perhaps. As okay. Fair enough, grumpy old man. I'm just not sure. I think there's going to be a lot more fighting than there was in the past. I mean, fighting is pretty much out of the game of hockey. But I think now that you're playing those same teams, 
eight times a season, Grumpy Old Man. I think it's safe to assume we're going to see some more fighting. Yeah, you're going to see more fights again. Maybe not more fighting overall, but Grumpy Old Man. Some um, good old-fashioned hatred. You got to love it. <laughs> hatred brings out uh, the best rivalries, right, Grumpy Old Man? Absolutely. And then Mark also says, I just hope Barry can fight against a later season dive. Team looks spent at the end of December last year. True. That's what happens when you have an older team. And that's the that's my one worry with the Islanders is are we going to have the stamina to make it through? I think we're going to start hot, but as older players tend to get injured more. And I think that's a that is a legitimate concern going into this going into the season. Like I said, last year. I don't think we were going to make the playoffs if it wasn't for the lockout. I, the, I'm sorry for the for the shutdown. I, I will say this, Grumpy. I feel more confident in our depth forward-wise this season than we did last year. Last year, Grumpy Old Man, could you say – again, like I think we are going to see – and again, this is all dependent on the younger guys like Bellows and Walsh from getting that chance – I will say I think it's time for those guys to see if they've got what it you know see see if they have what it takes there to cut it in the NHL. I think we're going to see whether they have that this season. Well, I hope they get a real legitimate chance to contribute because as we've seen with this regime, we don't like to play. The, if we can, if we there's any way we can avoid playing the younger guys, we will because he just doesn't trust them. He wants to go with the veterans. I just don't think that's the way to go. It's just, it's just not smart financially for the salary cap team and certainly with a flat cap for the next three years. I just, you know, I just hope we give those guys a legitimate shot to, to contribute this year. Hey, Grumpy. John also chiming in saying that fighting is a pivotal part of the game. I've always believed it is Grumpy. It's unfortunate they're trying to take that out. There's nothing that shifts momentum in a nice fight. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. I'm Once again, I'm going to tell you that uh, – who doesn't love a hockey fight? Everybody loves a hockey fight. Yes, sir. Uh, well, we're kind of running things up. I know that uh, we're going to get hot and heavy I'm sure, by our next your, live stream. Your, your audio is kind of in and out right now, so I'm just going to take over and do what I do best, which is wing oh, it. Trump. So, Trump, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you, but you're kind of going in and out. Okay. So I did. I know we Trumpy. wanted to mention about the Matt Barzal situation. Um, before we sign off today. And I do feel he will get signed. Uh, I just hope they don't try to lowball him. And I hope they don't give him enough years to where it brings him to unrestricted free agency like they did with Pulak. I just think that's a mistake. Uh, if, it was, if it was me, if I had my druthers, I'd rather give him an eight-year deal or whatever it is, give him maybe more than he's worth right now. But this way you have him locked up. That's what I would do, signing a young player so that you're paying for his most productive years as opposed to being reacted, which is how we've been in the past. Grump, again, we don't have the cap to sign him to what he'll probably want for an eight-year deal. Eight year deal. We absolutely have the cap. Absolutely we have the cap. You have Andrew Ladd who is just dying to go on long-term injury. You're throwing a lot of contingent pieces in there. Sure, if he's throwing a long-term injury, sure we do. If we're looking at it as of right now today, we do not have the available cap space unless there is somebody put on long-term injury to actually go ahead and sign him to an eight-year deal. We just don't. If Yeah, sure, if something like that would happen, we would. But as of right now, we don't, Grumpy but Old Man. I don't think so. I mean, he would, he would, I mean Matt Barzal would command at least $10 million plus for an eight-year deal. Okay, he's not going to get – no one's going to get $10 million plus now. Not in these – not at this time. 
I mean, but I don't see him signing. I don't see him signing a seven-year deal or an eight-year deal. I see him going for a short-term deal, and that's the way Lamarill oh, always wants to kick the can down the road as opposed to paying for guys. That's why he winds up losing guys when they come become free agents. That's what happens because he keeps on kicking it down and kicking it down instead of being proactive. Be proactive for once. I mean, that's all I can say. Let's let's do that for a change. Okay, Grumpy. Gotcha, gotcha. Uh, again, I, I put it like this: we. If you wanted eight million or eight years, it's going to be more than probably nine or ten million. I don't think that's going to happen. I think you're right. Short-term contract. It's going to be probably more of a bridge deal set up. I would be shocked if he signed for any any more than five or six years. I'd be shocked if he signed a five or six-year contract. I really would. I, I guess I'm skeptical. I think this is going to be more of a you know a shorter-term contract. And again, that does allow him to go ahead and you know that set him up for that next contract where he can earn more money when the cap does to start opening up a little bit more. Yeah, like I said, that's that's not what I would do. But I mean, do you really think you cannot pay him less than you pay average Anders at this point in time? That's seven million dollars a year. Yeah, I, as I was say, he's going to be right around that. I, it's going to be interesting to see. I'm not worried. I think they are going to sign back Matt Barzal. I think there's no use in the fret about it. I mean, if they didn't, it'd be a monumental collapse and blunder. I just don't see it happening. Well, we have another. He have, he has another option. He can trade him for two second round picks. Ah, grumpy old man. I feel like you're talking about something else that happened this offseason. Oh, well. That's what happens when you mismanage the cap. Those are the type of things you got to do. All righty, Grump. Well, I do appreciate you being a part of the podcast. As always, we're wrapping things up here on today's live stream. Um, Camp starts back up. I know by our next live stream, we're going to have a lot more camp talk to talk about. Um, the World Juniors will have been finished and concluded by that. Also, Grumpy Old Man. Uh, but is there anything else you want to say before we kind of wrap things up, Grumpy? I just want to hope everyone's having a happy new year. Um, and we just love doing this and talking to everyone every week. I mean, it's fantastic. Yeah, well, thank you, Grumpy, and thank you for everybody who does listen to podcasts. We do appreciate it. Uh, again, Grumpy and I love to be able to talk to the people who do listen to the Islanders Never Say Die podcast. Uh, thank you so much, guys, for tuning into the live stream and listening to the podcast there and post afterwards. But we hope you guys have a hope you had a great New Year's, and I'm ready for a little Islanders hockey, Grumpy. Absolutely. All right, thank you again, Grumpy old man. Thank you. <laughs>